This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being. Being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. There can be challenges along the way in life. There is no need to feel alone. In the event that you are feeling overwhelmed by difficulties, trauma, or loss, therapy might be of assistance. Courtney believes in developing skills, overcoming obstacles, and achieving your personal goals based on your strengths. Valeria interviews Courtney Walraven. She graduated with a master's in social work from the University of Kansas in 2014. During school, Courtney emphasized her studies on veteran populations, completing two internships with the Veteran Affairs, one in Topeka, Kansas, and the other one in Washington, D.C. She has worked in adolescent foster homes, facilitating group therapy, and in elementary and middle schools, offering mental health support to students. Courtney became a licensed master social worker in 2014, moved to Lubbock, Texas, and began working in the medical field as a social worker. She enjoyed the medical complexities and learning about their impact on mental health. She then became a licensed clinical social worker through the Texas State Board of Social Work Examiners in 2018 and earned her supervisor designation in January 2022. Courtney worked several years after hours as a crisis stabilization worker in hospital emergency rooms. She has additional experience with people experiencing multiple and complex medical diagnoses adjustment disorders, anxiety disorders, mood disorders, childhood trauma, PTSD, and more. She's enjoyed working with all ages, including children, teens, and adults. Courtney strongly believes in continuing education and knowledge. She's currently working towards becoming EMDR certified. She's also attending Liberty University, earning a doctorate of education, ED, in community care and counseling with a specialization in traumatology. Above all, Courtney is a mother and a wife. These are her two favorite roles. She cherishes the ability to spend time with her son and husband. Her Christian faith offers her the most support and solace for herself through the service she provides for others. Meet Courtney at walraventherapy.com. Here's the interview with Courtney Walraven. In your own words, who is Courtney Walridden? Yeah, I am a wife. I am a mother and a sister, a daughter, and a believer. And professionally, I, I value the relationship that I have as a professional therapist working with children, teens, and adults. I try to 
really empower and enable my clients to feel strength and knowledge at the conclusion of our session, each session, and ultimately, you know, improve their functioning and journey in their life. Something you said that caught my attention, of course, I heard this before, I am a believer. So this is a good time to ask you a question that I think I didn't ask too many of my guests, but I'll ask you. How do we move from believing to knowing when it comes to spirituality, when it comes to God? Sure. I think that's that's such an important and existential question. So ultimately, it comes down to faith and trust in the unknown. There's a lack of tangibility that comes with knowing when it comes to believing in the spiritual world. Um, there's a lot of facts and a concrete uh, material we can use to guide us in directing us in, in feeling more confident. But when it comes to really knowing, it comes down to just faith. and believing and trusting that there's something greater than you and that it is ultimate, the capital T truth and not just the, uh, the lack of uh, security that guides us to believing in something. What is to be mentally healthy? I like to think of of mental health and a lot of concepts within mental health on a spectrum. Our brains strive for dichotomies. They love the black and white, but really it, it, this is one of those spectrum uh, answers. There's maladaptive and dysfunctional ways of living, and there are adaptive and very healthy ways of living. And so... Mental health can look different for a lot of people. It's largely influenced by culture and environment and background and just norms that come with with, uh, your lifestyle. It's also largely influenced by your personal preferences of, of your goals, what you want. Um, so, in general, mental health, it looks like you being content, happy even, satisfied, feeling like you are have minimized dysfunction and yeah. optimized function in your yeah. life. That's a challenging one for most of us to know what we want. A lot of times we have desires, we have passions, we seem to want too much and too many things. Ultimately, per se, how do we know when we are living the purpose, our purpose, something that gives us joy, fulfillment, that's not really, let's see, subjected to the fleeting things, per se, that brings us happiness in the moment. For example, what do you do now as a therapist? Do you call it a purpose that you have found your purpose? And if it is, how did you find that? Okay, yeah. 
So in general, for people trying to identify goals and how to get there, that can be broken down and and worked on in terms of just problem solving, um, reducing stressors and increasing skill, ability to focus and concentrate and having the energy and audacity to even ask for things within your life and pursue them. Um, For me personally, I have had a desire to help people my entire life. How How I was going to help people was not always clear to me. It was a pursuit. And I began gaining clarity in that through my education, um, I didn't know that my path would lead me where I am now. I wasn't really sure. But now that I'm here, I feel very happy. I do. I feel very fulfilled. And in a large sense, feel like this is what I was meant to do all along. So it's not always clear to us, right, Courtney? We find a way. 100%. Yeah, that's a great message because a lot of young people, especially, they believe that they should know what their purpose is right away when they are very young. But it's it doesn't work that way. Yeah, it has been my case, too. It has been uncovering what makes me not just happy, but peaceful. That's uh, Mm, a component of fulfillment, of course, and minimizing desires in the sense of always wanting more. I guess that's the balance. It's it's healthy to want more in a sense of being ambitious and wanting to grow. But we need to be careful, right, Courtney? Yes, balancing that, balancing that with reality and putting it in perspective gaining perspective of what you want and what you have and keeping that in mind, where you came from, right? How far you've already come and not always in striving for more and not enjoying what you have. Another open question is about the purpose of the human experience. What do you feel that is? I think if I were to summarize it, it would be relationship and connection which really echoes what you believe in, I know. But it's so true. We're, as humans, we're drawn to connection. That's what we want. We may not always know that, and our route to get there and stay there may not always be linear, but we, we long for connection and relationship. And that's, you know, partially... And or entirely why we even seek spiritual relationship as well. You know, our connection with Christ gives us this strength and and peace. And it really is an asset for people, a component of resilience uh, through life struggles that if people have this ability to connect with their higher, you know, with with God, then they are able to withstand the withstand the struggles of daily life. Um, But even in human connection, that's really the purpose. And we lose sight of that often. Um, We're willing to compromise our connection and relationships with others for other things that maybe seem important in the moment. 
And then we come back to it because we realize that is what's most important. I love that. <laughs> I love listening to that. It's like songs. That's a beautiful song to my ears. <laughs> yes, because that is it resonates very much true to the heart, right? Deeper connections, from my perspective, has been always looking for the divine connection with others. And that's interesting, Courtney, because the way you spoke about finding your purpose, like serving, helping others, that's exactly what is behind it all, isn't it? Because what we are doing now, it's exactly that. Through service, we are connecting deeper with other human beings. Yes, you're totally right. Yeah, exactly. When people come into this room, that is a safe place for them, they're able to do that. And I'm able to provide a service to them that fulfills me and makes gives me peace that I am contributing to wellness and others. But they're able to experience connection in maybe a way that hasn't ever felt safe to them before. And knowing that I'm able to provide that for them is beyond... Um, beyond uh, fulfilling to me. Yeah. Almost beyond words, I was about to say. <laughs> I usually don't do that, <laughs> fill the, the, the empty spaces, but <laughs> I know what you're trying to say. Well, I absolutely know the message. Yeah, yes. So it's, um, ah, it's the most beautiful thing to see, right? There's um, the trust that we can have in one another. And then from that, see the divine connection or see that we are all connected through the eyes of God, through the, the eyes of, what do I call it these days? I usually, I, I tried before for many years, I have been born Catholic and raised mm -hmm. that way, but then along the way I was traumatized by religion mm -hmm. and all the rules and all the fear that was imposed. And then I almost became afraid of saying the word God. And mm. even when I say it now, it's almost like causes, I'm fine, but it's, there's a hesitation. It's, isn't that interesting, Courtney? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, religious, re religious trauma is a real thing. And um, it's terrible when something that's supposed to be helpful and empowering and inspiring becomes weaponized uh, as a as a unit of control or power from your perspective as of this moment what where and who is god sure yeah so what is god god is all knowing and all seeing and where is god he's everywhere um he is the creator. He is the originator. Um, who is God? I, I am a Christian. I believe that God is the Father. He is, uh, you know, the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, and Jesus Christ, and God, and the unit that provides safety, security, hope, the only source of hope uh, for humanity that has fallen and an ultimately destructive bound. And for me, it's, it's uh, you know, Jesus is the symbol of relationship and, and safety and comfort. 
that no other source can provide. I love that. It's very comforting to hear those words. That's uh, interesting how how much we have been missing, how much we have lost the connection with true love, unconditional love. And we have been feeling so unsafe, right, as humanity uh, collectively. Yes. I notice largely with my clients who I, I identify as a trauma therapist. So I work with a lot of clients with trauma, not all, but a lot. And we have this belief as a society that we are very critical of others. But I've noticed, especially with my clients who have survived trauma, that we are least forgiving and least willing to give grace to ourselves. And that includes the hesitation to even accept that type of relationship from God. Do you bring these um, spiritual understandings that you have, the spiritual knowledge you have to your sessions, or do you pass that on to your clients? Or this is something that you just keep away from the therapy room? Yeah, it's a potentially all three of those things. It depends on the client. As a licensed therapist, I am very mindful of my clients' preferences, and I respect that and do not want to influence them and and bring incorporate components of spirituality or religion without their permission, explicit permission. If they identify as Christian and are interested in incorporating that component of their spirituality as a strength into their therapy, I am happy to incorporate that. Otherwise, I leave it out. Yeah, these are the boundaries, right? That um, correct. We are yes. very much aware of, right? Yes, and it's 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 very important to me as a social worker and as a licensed clinician not to make this space feel unsafe, and that includes spiritual boundaries and psychological boundaries. Yes, it makes a lot of sense to me, of course, yeah. Although I am open to listening to everything, all kinds of spiritual backgrounds or anything really, for that matter. The only thing that I try, I mean, when it comes to relationships, people close to me. But then, um, of course, I don't listen, I don't watch TV or I don't really kind of put my mind, expose my mind to anything that's violent. That I don't do, but I, I like the idea that we can be open because this sometimes this is the only way that can light go through and we can see some of the truth about our, our own selves is being open. But then there's the other side, of course, that's being vulnerable can also be dangerous at times if we're not in the presence sure. of the right person, the right people. Absolutely. Another um, open question, I have too many open questions here, is about healing. How do you define healing and what are the obstacles or misconceptions about healing? Defining healing, that's a great question. And I'm not sure that I've ever attempted to define it before. Uh, As I reflect on my personal experiences and my clinical experience, What I've witnessed of healing is 
a sense of peace and contentment um, that often comes, the process of getting there, from addressing the things or thing that is painful. Misconceptions that come with that are you have to forgive and you have to forget or forgive and don't forget or um, you need to um, cut people out of your life or something, things that are very harsh. That's usually where the extremes, right? Where people are, that's where they think healing comes. Really, the healing is the process. The healing is feeling the emotions and not numbing or avoiding them. The healing is talking about the things that are painful with people who are safe and working through that, admitting and accepting the things that you don't have answers for and um, creating a safe environment for you to continue to do that work. Again, I think of this on a spectrum. Healing is more of a path and not necessarily a destination. I would love for people to get to the end of that path, but that may not come uh, for years or months for a lot of people. It's almost like we have to become very good at kind of knowing what brings us the sense of healing and then cultivating that. Always going oh, back. Oh, yes, right? that's wonderful. The insight and awareness that's gained to foster healing, a healing environment, avoiding re-traumatization, removing and avoiding people who are, or limiting exposure to people and things that are hurtful. Uh, setting healthy boundaries or rigid boundaries when necessary. Um, eliminating substances. You know, living a life that is not dependent on things or materials and that is fulfilled rather by things that are life-giving. Um, those are all wonderful stepping stones for healing. Sounds like a healing lifestyle. Yes. <laughs> I love that. Yes. <laughs> Even if for um, almost like a title of a course, of a program, of a book. I think I never yes. heard it that way. But um, Yeah, I think you're onto something. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm not really doing anything on that end. Now I'm writing about inner peace now and what that means also, which has to do with healing, of course. It's connected. Inner peace, healing is the same thing. But I love the word inner peace for some reason. And that's why I talked to you before about your approach that includes the inner strength as a foundation. So talk to me about that. And now may, might be a good moment to talk about that, Courtney. What are the methods that you use to get to your clients to access their inner strength? Yeah, largely I emphasize the importance of insight and awareness. Every client that I see, everyone that I see, I encourage to begin reflecting and paying more attention to what they're feeling. That's a good place to start. That can be journaling. It can be using an emotional vocabulary wheel or a feelings wheel, some people call it. Um, it can be talking out loud to someone who, you know, is a, is a safe and unbiased person. But beginning to just be aware of what you're feeling 
um, stop using things like I'm good or I'm fine and start paying attention to what you're truly, your body's signaling to you. Starting there and working towards um, beginning to re- respond to what our body is signaling us. Is Are we distressed? Are we angry? Are we feeling lonely? Are we feeling rejected? And what do we do with that feeling? When we feel that way, it may be helpful to do some deep breathing. I push a lot of breathing. It's a fantastic way of self-regulating. And um, other methods might be visualization or other mindfulness exercises. Um, Getting outside, putting down the phone or the turning off the TV, connecting, grounding. Those are things that are going to help you actually face and pay attention to what you need to in order to find that inner peace. Yeah, that's the foundation, isn't it? Self-awareness, which is we have been distracted so much at this time with um, technology and so many things that we have, right? So many attractions, uh, something to do. Uh, being busy. I love being busy, but with meaningful things like this. I'm always busy, but with doing these things. So I don't mind. You see, because even though I'm busy, there's that sense of peace. It's here. I never lose track of that or sense of that. It's always around me. So that's something that I noticed because I I cannot say that I'm healed 100% from the past, all um, all the traumas and the mind is still conditioned upon all these uh, these sure. layers of traumas that I have experienced and the body too. But I'm very much aware of them. And you know, I always go back to these practices, as you mentioned before, that enhance the sense of inner peace, of calm, of healing. So that's where I am now. It feels really good. That's awesome. Yeah, it doesn't come without effort and intentionality. And... Uh, that's wonderful. The reward is is just such a, a great gain. It's worth it, but it doesn't come without effort. And so I think that's what people we all we always want the easier fix or the path of least resistance. And in the moment, maybe avoiding or ignoring or uh, tricking our mind that it didn't happen. Whatever we want to use in the moment seems like the easier path. But ultimately, neither path comes without effort and work. And only working towards healing and actually putting the work in, processing, talking through things, working on mindfulness, grounding, less distraction, that is the only way towards actual um, progress and healing and contentment. Talk to me about EMDR. I know this is one of the uh, the services, one of the methods that you use, and I have heard about it. And I talked to a lot of people. I never done it myself, but I have heard the incredible benefits of it. So I would love to hear your perspective on EMDR. Absolutely. I am. I I was trained in EMDR in practice with it now as a trained EMDR clinician. And I find it has been very beneficial to 
many clients that I've worked with. It is was primarily designed for trauma, but has now been evidenced, uh, been proven as evidence based for other mental health disorders, including depression and panic and some phobias. Um, in general, it's it's a gentler way of addressing traumatic events and memories. Um, we don't know exactly why it works, but we know that it works. And so by using a form of bilateral stimulation, so that can be eye movements or tactile um, stimulation, some tapping, or it can be auditory, just alternating sounds on either side. And those are things that can be used to stimulate the brain. While recalling this traumatic event, you want to maintain awareness and presence in the in the present moment, but you're also revisiting the past. So we refer to that as one foot in the present and one foot in the past. You're in a safe place where you've built this healthy professional connection with this therapist and you're willing to explore and recall this painful memory. And by doing that with the bilateral stimulation, we notice that the disturbance of that memory decreases significantly, often rapidly. And so it's been a wonderful tool for a lot of people uh, from things like overcoming infidelity to depression to uh, traumatic events, acute or chronic. That's uh, such a, a beautiful news. Yeah, I have heard before, I think many, some years ago about EMDR and uh, it was really uh, surprising to me that you can do, you can actually relive the trauma, the past, but in a safe way. I was really happy about that when I heard. And of course, I was um, in need at that time, but it still um, is it stayed with me, that message. Yeah. And I love the way you say that too. You say, you described it as a gentle approach to healing. Yes. Yeah. And even the hesitation that comes from addressing it, it those painful memories um, takes a lot of courage and, and honestly, a little curiosity and willingness from the client to just try it. And most, not all, but most clients that I've worked with that I've tried it have stuck with it and have found it extremely helpful. Is the EMDR for everyone, Courtney? It's really not for everyone. Um, and neither is trauma therapy. Um, sometimes th in the process of healing, there is a time to just pause and catch your breath a little bit. And not everyone's ready for it. So if you're not if you're not willing to try it or interested in it, it's not for you, right? Just like any type of therapy, um, you have to be you have to be the one who wants to do it. Um, but and also there are some limitations in terms of uh, dissociation. You want to be able to recall the past memory without falling into that memory. There are things like that that would would limit the opportunities for certain clients to engage in EMDR. But largely, if you are interested and you are curious, it would certainly be a good option to uh, explore with your therapist if they are trained in EMDR. 
as an option. What is the small T and big T when it comes to trauma? Or trauma with a small and uh, capital T? Sure. Yeah. So small T traumas would be events that felt or our brain processed as life-threatening, but in the grand scheme of things really aren't. Maybe you um, had an embarrassing moment in school. Maybe you dropped your tray in the cafeteria and everybody stopped and laughed at you. In that moment, maybe your brain processed things, went into fight, flight, or freeze mode, and that memory is maladapted stored and now every time that you feel that sense of embarrassment or something reminds you of that event you feel triggered by that those things are small t traumas big t traumas are are the objectively life or death situations war events uh severe car accidents shootings things like that somebody said that the, the intensity of trauma has, or whatever trauma is, it depends on the person and how sensitive they are to whatever happened, to the experience. Oh, absolutely. And that's, I think, important for people to understand is your experience is valid and your perspective is important. And it a lot of times, even with big T traumas that people come in here with, they have this altered perception that it wasn't that bad, or they shouldn't, they still, regardless of whatever they experienced, big T or small T, that they shouldn't be having any ab reactions. And I am surprised often with that belief that they have about themselves. Really, our brains are designed to keep us safe. And sometimes, even if we're not in a true life or death situation, we may our brains may be triggered to perceive things as life or death, or we may feel we may feel a severe reaction to that, and that's okay. We want to work on that, but you shouldn't feel shame or guilt for your experience or the way that you're processing that moment. The important thing is to be honest with that and to work through that. We are almost at the end. I wanted to mention that you work with children or you enjoy working with children and adults. Currently, you work mostly with women, but you, you do work with men as well. Yes. And also you work with um, a large range of diagnoses, uh, adjustment disorders, anxiety, panic, depression, post-traumatic stress disorder, dissociative identity disorder. And the question is, are you open to new clients and do you meet them online and offline or only um, offline in person? Sure. Yeah, so I, re- I meet with a range of clients and I enjoy the, the variety and the diversity of my client population. I do have a few openings at the current moment, but I mostly have a waiting list that I move through when I have openings, I can pull from that. Um, I do meet with some clients exclusively online that are actually out of town. They're not in the same location as me. 
Um, so Texas residents that live in an alternate city. And I meet with some that are hybrid. Sometimes we meet in person. Sometimes we meet online. The large majority I meet with exclusively in office. What is the best way actually to contact you, um, Courtney, to know more about what you do, your services and future projects? Yeah, my website is great. It's walraventherapy.com or email me. My email is on that website as well. I have also, you can contact me directly through the website. Wonderful. And I'll have the link on your podcast profile. So before we say goodbye for today, I have two more questions for you. So before I ask these questions, would you like to add anything that you left unsaid? I feel very uh, satisfied with everything that we've talked about today. I appreciate you having me on. It was really an honor. Oh, my God. I feel the same way. I love this, Courtney. <laughs> I have to say over and over again. <laughs> Thank you. Two more questions, the ending questions. How do you define success these days? What is to be successful to you? I think it goes back to that sense of peace and contentment. Mm. That is that is invaluable. You can't put a price tag to that. And it, it is across culture and age and financial status it's the most important thing. Mm. Yes, a trillion times <laughs> to the beautiful answer. Yes. Yeah. Oh my God. And my last question is, at this time, what do you feel is the world's greatest need? I think we need to get back. We need to, re we need to backtrack and reverse and decrease distraction and increase connection, mm. true connection. Um, yeah. interpersonally and spiritually. Wow. Another amazing, I love your wisdom. You're so young. <laughs> you look young, yeah, uh, you. but you have so much <laughs> wisdom <laughs> to give. Thank you so much for being open to life, for being close to God <laughs> and for yeah. making uh, these beautiful connections around you with everyone you meet. I, I felt the yeah. energy <laughs> of presence. So thank sure. you so much, Courtney, for being thank you. Thank you. So for now, again, I'll have your website on the podcast profile. So anybody who visits that you can just click and, and find out more about you. Great. So thank you again. And we'll talk soon. Bye for now, okay. Courtney. Bye now. Bye. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Courtney Walraven and her work, please visit walraventherapy.com To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. Thank you again for listening and bye for now.